do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. Knowledge ideas, perspectives, and research insights on topics that matter. Business advice for better decisions and growth. Latest on the world of innovation and ideas. A look inside a global world beyond borders and an open view on social challenges. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.isade.edu. Hamdi Ulukaya is the CEO of Chobani, and he hires people with a migrant and refugee background in his company. And he started a tent foundation to help the refugee crisis around the world and is doing a great job. This is a social entrepreneur with a migrant background. Um, my name is Asma Naimi. I'm a PhD candidate at Asada. And the topic of my thesis that I do with Lisa Heinberger is social entrepreneurs with a migrant background. This is an important topic because they are experienced professionals that have been influenced by an event that happened in their lives, migration, by themselves or their parents or grandparents. And they made them these experienced professionals that put human beings at the center of what they do. They come up with very effective solutions and that's what we want to talk about today. I'm here with Kenny Kluwit. He's the director of the Hello Europe initiative at Ashoka. Thank you for coming here, Kenny. I'm so glad to be here. Um, just to put us in context, at Ashoka what we do is we select social entrepreneurs from all around the world and we support them and connect them in networks. And Hello Europe, the initiative Asma mentioned, is our migration initiative where we're focusing specifically on the issues underlying migration and finding solutions from the citizen sector um, to connect them and to help them scale uh, cross borders. Mm -hmm. Just like migration goes from border to border, we need solutions as well. And actually one of the things that brought Ashoka and Asade together, we've been working together in, in different aspects, but here was as we looked for solutions in the migration space, we realized that we didn't have many social entrepreneurs from a migrant background. And so we reached out to, to Lisa and to Asma and said, why is this? What's, what's different about social entrepreneurs from a migrant background, how we can find them? And um, one of the things, Asma, Asma went out and said, well, let me find them. Let me figure out what they look like. So Asma, what, what are these social entrepreneurs? What makes them kind of unique? What did you find with social entrepreneurs from a migrant background in particular? Uh, as I mentioned before, these are people who have the experience with migration that aim to solve issues related to migration. So that in itself makes them very valuable in doing so. And uh, in our research, we find that they are, because of their experience, very empathic to the cause and to the people that they're trying to help. And in that way, their solutions are really including that voice of migrants and really they are bridging uh, the gap between the policies and solutions that are developed at a higher level that often do not have this voice um, and the people on the ground that are doing a lot of amazing things. So they have existed and they exist for a long time, but people are not really finding them that are operating at this higher uh, policy level. You're right. I, I think that's one of the things that, one of the first things that we're already benefiting from from this study which we haven't even published together yeah. yet um, but that, that is the aim is for Ashoka a lot of the research that you've done and some and a lot of the conversations have helped us um, first to kind of open our eyes to to networks that are kind of marginalized from the central let's say let's say the mainstream social entrepreneurship world but they're doing work that is often more effective because they're actually closer to the communities so on the one hand, you've really helped us to open our eyes and, and understand there's some unique characteristics that are actually very 
um, important to the mm. sector. And secondly, it's helping to shape some processes and even some questions from our, you know, long living criteria for Ashoka, but trying to ask questions differently to really reach these kind of social entrepreneurs that aren't in the mainstream networks. Mm. Uh, we're really grateful for that. I think there's a lot more to go from there. But that's one of the things that was, was really helpful for us with your research. And one of the questions I had for you was, why was there so little research? Because when we surf- first started looking out, I believe there were no papers in academic background around social entrepreneurs from a migrant background. Why do you think that is? Exactly. Uh, yeah, really uh, good to hear that our research has such an effect in practice as well. And just to make the, uh, the just to answer your question, I think that the reason that uh, there isn't so much research on social entrepreneurs with a migrant background is because uh, social entrepreneurship in itself is quite a relatively new field in mm. academia. Uh, but my personal view is that in general, uh, beneficiaries are not really seen as problem solvers. They uh, are not really seen with people that come up with solutions uh, to their own problems. And that's the case in practice as well as in research. So often, um, understanding how societal challenges are addressed, it's a very top-down perspective. So um, that's probably the reason why uh, they haven't been viewed as change makers uh, in that sense. And they have this real stigma uh, towards them and uh, really seen as people that need help instead of people that can help themselves. So um, yeah, I know that Ashoka is doing a lot on that as well with the Hello Europe initiative to really fight that stigma. Can you say something about that? Yeah, I, I think we've, we're running into some of the same issues because within Ashoka, we, we found something similar where as we started getting into the space of migration, we realized there's kind of three big challenges. One mm-hmm. is scaling initiatives. That's, that's always a challenge in social entrepreneurship, not yeah. just with migration. Um, but in particular, second is public policy, and, mm. and maybe we can talk a, a little bit about that later. But the third thing that we found was one of the major barriers to change was the narrative around migration. We, we identified three main narratives that are going around migration. There's the one that, that we all think is pretty negative, that, that migrants are a threat. Anyone who works in yeah. business or has open eyes knows that it's not a threat uh, to society. But the other two narratives that are often seen as positive can also be a little strange. One is they're purely an economic opportunity. Um, and, the se- and the third one is they are victims mm-hmm. or, or passive, we kind of say passive agents of compassion. And some of that is true, but it's actually dangerously incomplete because what we keep finding is migrants invest their life to be change makers and to contribute uh, to society. There, w- one, one of the um, yeah. social entrepreneurs from migrant background that we interviewed yeah. He, he says this, uh, this is Abdullah Yafal. He says, we invest our lives. Like our investment is pretty big into our future business, whatever that looks like. And we realize we, as, if we start seeing migrants as the change makers they are, it's going to really reshape the organizations and how we can support them. And I know for Ashoka, it's really changing our way of looking for social entrepreneurs to really understand that there's change makers that are kind of hidden mm. under the surface or in certain places. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of wondering with you, as we think of, of some of the other challenges, like the business challenge and the policy challenge, what are some of the things that you think businesses and policymakers and policy dreamers mm. um, can do to, to kind of change that narrative and really, to say in really pragmatic terms, activate a resource that yeah. we're not tapping into and much more than a resource these are these are people but they have many resources what could businesses and policymakers do to kind of make this better yeah 
Well, first of all, it's important that they get a seat at the table at policy level so that their voice is really included and that all these actors can actually learn from what they're doing at grassroots level. And that can only happen if they are really viewed as experienced professionals instead of being the migrant that's included you know, symbolically. So I think that's uh, perce changing perceptions towards people, I think, is very important. And uh, the business sector is already doing a lot to push the economic argument and talking about the added value of migrants, You know, having this transnational view, being able to bridge different cultures right. and different systems. So they, they are aware of this added value and they really try to influence policy as well. So for example, uh, the uh, example of the Tent Foundation that I gave uh, earlier is someone that's really proactively talking to big companies such as Starbucks and Airbnb and, and telling them that it's an added value. You just need right. to look beyond the uh, first initial uh, you know, profit that you're going to make, but actually invest in their language skills, give them the time to adjust to new work culture. But then you will have very you know, valuable employees that, that you can uh, include in your company. So I think um, that is very important. And just to add, I think at policy level, it's at least in Europe, it's really important to not forget that people have skills. People had careers in their previous countries where they lived and you have to give them access to the labor market. So if you are waiting for your uh, status for years, and just you know, um, not doing anything, not being allowed to do anything, then you get really like stress and psychological issues, and this can really be negative effect on the people themselves as well as be a burden and a cost to society. Actually, making it kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy when you say mm. these are burdens to society, and then you know people because of the process actually become that. Yep. So really uh, making sure that you put the human being's well-being at, at the center and say you can learn a language while you do an internship, you can work while you are trying to adjust to a new company, this will help them create a network and you know really get the best out of people I think is very important. Yeah I think I mean just from our perspective in the social entrepreneurship ecosystem which touches on you know, a bunch of different pieces from university to public policy to companies. The the main recommendation, I think, which which is very similar to what you're saying, is include them in the ecosystem. Yeah. Let them be part of the ecosystem rather than excluding people because of a paperwork or, or because of a, a where they're coming from. Excluding them from the system until they're completely ready. That yeah. that never works. Yeah. It never. It's like a. Um, <laughs> Telling someone, I want you to learn responsibility, but I won't give you any responsibility until you learn it. Exactly. It, it doesn't yeah. work. But if you're able, and, and again, saving the distances, we're not saying they're not responsible mm -hmm. or anything like that, but rather including someone in the system mm -hmm. and giving them time to adjust seems to be key. And Asma, I had one other question for you. Um, how important do you think it was, and it is, for research to A, to happen, but B, to also be carried out by people that actually come from migrant backgrounds as well. I know you're from uh, a background that yeah. maybe you can tell us just a little bit about, but how important is that, that perspective also in research and in coming up with recommendations for policies from yeah. your perspective? I think it's very important because, you know, academia can be very elitist and it's, uh, uh, especially doing research, uh, it's, it's not easy, it takes a lot of time, but once you uh, include people even in academia from different perspectives, you will get different research questions. So for me personally, this was something that I've been, uh, you know, looking at for a long time. I was seeing a really negative narrative in the media 
and I was seeing a lot of really good initiatives uh, in the community where uh, I come from. My parents are from Afghanistan. They fled to the Netherlands uh, a long time ago, and I was born there, but I really uh, experienced uh, a lot of uh, the things that migrants talk about through my parents' journey. And I think uh, research, you know, is very important, but also, uh, you know, trying to find these social entrepreneurs, as you said, was actually very easy. So hmm. people keep saying it's very hard, <laughs> it's very difficult, right. but it wasn't. You just have to look at the right places and know where they are. And then if you include people from the community, then you, you will find out that they actually exist. So That's huge. I mean, <laughs> um, I'd never thought about that actually, but... It, it makes so much sense, right? When I went out to look for social entrepreneurs from my background, I didn't know where to begin. Yeah. Um, you had a list of 30 people in like a week. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I remember it was, it was something like that because part of it is knowing where to look and how to, how to adjust your eyes. So talking about policy, how can you as Ashoka contribute to that? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Thanks for throwing that back at me. Um, that, that was indeed one of the first things we discovered as we, we began by, in 2015, we realized there was a, a pretty large influx of migrants coming to Europe and a lot of structures needed very quick innovation. So what we did is we sought out, you know, the best uh, solutions from the social entrepreneurship sector around the world and scaled them, built scaling mechanisms for them to come to Germany, to Austria, to the Netherlands, to other places. And what we very quickly discovered was all of these solutions, or almost all of them, one of the main stakeholders they had was policy, of course, and European policy at that. And so one of the things, one of the first things we did was gather social entrepreneurs and gather policymakers, and we had them meet in Brussels. Mm -hmm. We had the first EU summit on migration policy. And what we realized was there's a huge disconnect between those two sectors, and it's completely different language. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the first thing we realized, that we had to build a bridge where language between policy and the social entrepreneurship sector and businesses, for that matter, and other stakeholders needed to be built. So we started doing that with our policy unit that we built in Brussels. The second thing we realized, to our shame, was there weren't any migrants in the room. Like, literally, we had a conference of 200 people, and there were about, there were about five social entrepreneurs from migrant background, and that's about it. And we realized, wow, we need other kinds of people in this room and this is a huge issue in Brussels and in many policy places, is you don't have migrants with those capacities in the room. Often you'll, you'll have someone from a migrant background tell a story or a testimony, but they're not really contributing to the conversation. So that, again, that led us back to Assad and to others to say, hey, help us open our eyes and see not just where migrants are, mm -hmm. but where these social entrepreneurs and leaders and policymakers from a migrant perspective or from a migrant background are that we can identify them and also bring them into these conversations and learn from them. Um, definitely one of the things I think policymakers and businesses and others can do is build spaces where purposely we have people from migrant background that are qualified to be in those conversations and the conversations, not just telling stories, but coming into there. And, and again, that's one of the reasons I think it's been such um, a wonderful experience to work with you. you. You're someone from a migrant background who's very highly qualified to do this research not because you're from micro background, but that perspective adds to your academic and um, work experience. And I think these kind of conversations are really helpful, and it's one of the things we can do with these spaces that we have is open them up and bring other people into the conversation, not to be nice or compassionate, because we need, but because we need those voices. So, Kenny, what would be your final recommendation to our listeners? 
the one thing I would recommend is to change our view. And rather than seeing migrants as victims or as people in need of compassion, to really start believing that they're change makers eager to contribute. Not because it's, if we repeat it to ourselves, it'll happen, but because that's the reality. Look for that in your company, in your neighbors, in people around you, not what they can get from you, but what they're bringing to the table. Yeah. They're I, change makers. What about for you, Asma? What would be your final recommendation? I think migration is really managed as a crisis right now when actually it can be seen as an opportunity. And when we do that, we can actually provide, uh, you know, marginalized communities access to our societies and really build on that and make them stronger. So I think we should really look at these change makers and see what we can learn from them. So thank you so much, uh, Kenny, for coming here. And thank you listeners for this podcast. Thank you.